Hi, it's Perry, and if you want to make my day today, whether you're listening to this podcast on the commute or you're on the toilet in the morning getting a little eye care education, I would love just to know who are you and are you listening to my podcast? So take a second and text me at 913-349-5436. You can say hello, what up, Perry, you're the coolest. Just send me any message. And it'll ask you your name and it'll register you on the entrepreneur media text message list. And you would do me a solid. I just need to know who is actually listening to this podcast. When you subscribe to my text message list, you're not going to be getting spam. You're going to get education videos throughout, motivational tips, and webinar alerts, special e-commerce deals we're offering. So again, 913-349-5436. I'll also put the number in the show notes if you just want to click that. Just say hello, type any message, and you'll get registered. Additionally, so other people can find the podcast, please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever you are listening to. That way, others can find the podcast super easy. And without further ado, let's hop into this episode. If you are an optometrist who owns a private practice, it's likely that sometimes you need another optometrist to come in and see patients for you. Maybe you just want to take a vacation. It's likely that you're backlogged six weeks, and sometimes you just want another doctor to come in and take care of your patient base. How would you possibly find a doctor within your community just to work one day? It sounds like you almost need some type of technology to connect the eye care business to an optometrist. Well, luckily, there's a new application out there called Clinic Cover, developed by optometrists, that helps you find single-day patient coverage. With that, I want to welcome Dr. Ali Koshnevis to the podcast. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Perry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about Wizards of Eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? Well, these are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit Entrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.eyetreprenur.com. Dr. Koshnevis, your whole family is pretty much optometrists, your siblings, and you are more on the technology and business side of eye care, although 
you have practiced for a number of years already. So why don't you go ahead and give us your short background? Sure. And when I came out of optometry school, I, I went and did my residency at Bascom Palmer. And I always thought I was going to go in to practice and really build a heavily disease practice where we can practice to full scope. And I tried some of those things. I did some of those things. And I came out of school and joined my brother, who has been a big part of my life and, and someone that I look up to tremendously. But it just turned out that life took me down a path that I didn't even expect. I never came into this thinking I would start building software, but life took me down that road. And very shortly, maybe five years into practice, I started to build software and you know, subsequently, I founded several different companies, the first of which my brother and I founded, which was WeRx, which is a tool that allows patients to search their medication and find the best cost for their, their medications. And then I built a piece of solution, a piece of software that was in eye care in specific. It was a triage tool that would learn about why the patients were coming into your practice, what problems they were having, and then it would share a video or an infographic with that patient based off of their problems. So we could help them understand what their experience would be like in the practice. It also had a booking solution and it was integrated with Revolution EHR. And at that time, we had a lot of Rev clients, a lot of practices that used Rev, and it was acquired by Revolution EHR. And then I spent some time there and then built another prescription drug tool that really focused on helping large employers manage prescription drug costs. And in 2019, I sold that company to ELMC, which is a risk insurance business. So being an entrepreneur is really something I'd never thought I would be further than just, you know, building practices but it's been a fun road and clinic covers a project that really I'm passionate about tremendously because I think that our profession needs something. It needs something now. Now we were chatting before the podcast here, just about how, you know, optometrists used to be the happiest of kind of the medical community. And now um, just based on studies, you mentioned that there are some of the, the loneliest, unhappy of the profession and that goes alongside dentists. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a latest study that shows that we're amongst the bottom 15% of all professionals in terms of happiness. And I think that that is really a big, big part of that has to do with autonomy. So, you know, you come out of school, you practice, you learn all these skills, and then you're told how to practice when you come out of school. And that is a recipe for being unhappy because you're not able to flex the muscles and do the things that you really always imagined you would be. So I read a lot of philosophy and Kierkegaard always said that despair is the delta between who you currently are and who you should be. And that's where despair lives. And I think that that is a problem with our profession today. A lot of docs are coming out and they're not able to practice when they want, how they want, where they want. And clinic cover is really designed to help eye care professionals 
whether you're a young doc or you just retired or you're somewhere in between, you start a new family. And so it allows you to dictate where you want to be, how you want to practice, what you want to do. And I think that that ultimately will help us as we're faced with this crisis, I call it. I can see it. You're a new grad, or maybe you've even been out 10 years, and you're like, oh, crap. I got to do this soul search to find a job. And then the practice owner and the doctor on the search have go through a dating phase, make sure they're a good match. And then you're locked in. And it's scary because a lot of times these relationships don't always work out. With that, can you describe what clinic cover is? It's a mix of like text messaging and, and skills matching and location. It's pretty advanced. So give us the short summary and then we'll go into the details on that. Yeah, sure. So currently there's technology that allows people to find a single day coverage doc, right? There you could go to Facebook and post something. You can text message all of your buddies. Some places they have like WhatsApp channels for iDocs that are looking to do single day coverage. The technology has existed. What Clinic Cover really does is it takes all of that and creates a platform for the eye care business and also the eye care professional to do this sort of, you call matchmaking, if you will. And it does use a whole host of technology. I mean, right now we're a mobile first company, but we also have, you can use it with your laptop. You come in, you, you talk about your practice, or as if you set up as an eye care professional, you set up your profile, you talk about when you graduated, if you did a residency, if you have male practice insurance, on the business side, you can tell the eye care professionals what type of practice you have. Is it private? Is it a sublease? Is it corporate? Do you use this EHR? Do you have these pieces of technology in your office? And this now enables both the eye care professional and the business to understand or learn more about each other. And what we do is we use a radius that you live in. So the practice is here. The ECP is here. This is within their working radius. There's an opportunity in their area. We're going to send a text message to notify all those eye care professionals that they have an opportunity to go into a practice. And it's to the sole discretion of that business and that ECP in terms of whether or not they want to do that. Let's walk through an exercise here. I have Dr. Burrell on here. He's in Mission, Kansas, first tier suburb. He always has trouble finding associates, not because he's hard to work with, uh, just because <laughs> Kansas is not necessarily a destination for optometrists to go. Let's just say that. Uh, how many optometrists generally graduate and get licensed per year, Dr. Brill? You know, I think for Kansas, there maybe it was 10, 11, 12 for the last three years of taking the board, used to be 25. So it's not that I have a problem finding somebody has a problem finding the right person. Right. And to me, that means that somebody whose passion is kind of parallel mine because they show up, you know, they show up from, they've driven eight hours or 10 hours or something and they show up for specialty services. And we don't, we should know that when we make the appointment, but people don't, we have online appointments and it just doesn't get that way. So we, we should have some synergies. Right. But my, my question for Ellie is, what about the credentialing? I mean, I can't really have somebody work for me who's not credentialed for VSP or IMED if they're going to see those patients because the private pay patients, that's fine, but there's not as many private pay patients. So how do you get around that or how do you deal with that? 
there's locum tenant laws right now, or I, I don't know if I'd call them laws, but there's rules. If you're truly locum tenant and you're not a, a permanent fixture in that practice, you're allowed to operate under your... PSP and IDA do not have a locum tenants provision, though. So I know in the change, they say, hey, I'll need a fill-in doc. But oftentimes in the change, they don't, they're not there on maybe IMED or VSP to just pick a couple. You know, they're there. Appointments are not made well in advance. They're there. They start off with two people on a schedule and then they're full by the end of the day because it's probably a lot of walk-in. You know how VSP, Davis, IMED handles local tenants? I don't know. I just know that it's a gray area, right? So this is solely at the discretion of a practice that wants to bring a doc in and the doc there in terms of whether or not they need to credential that person or not. So I don't think that there's a provision per se, but it's sort of a gray area. It's done all the time across the country today. People come into businesses and they see patients and they're not credentialed under that office. Yeah, and that's, it is a gray area. But as some people say, well, I file things with these codes and I get paid. Yeah, you get paid until you're audited. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it's going to be a nightmare because that audit is going to be some percentage. You, and they'll say you cheated 12% of the time. We're going to collect 12% of the money over the last five years or something. So I know that most of the doctors want to do it legally. Yeah. And so if that's the case, you do need to go through the credentialing process. You do need to get the doctor credentialed under your practice. And hopefully if they're already credentialed with some of these insurances, it shouldn't take so long, but you need to give yourself some headway to do so. You're right there. You know, they are credentialed already on a lot of these panels by working at other practices. So but it has to be credentialed at your practice. Right. Well, hopefully that would be expedited since you're already in the system. I would hope so. You may not. If you want to do it that way and that's the mode, then you need to make sure you give yourself enough headway, probably six weeks, if you will. You need coverage on week 50, 52, the last week of the year. You know, go ahead and start that process early enough to get them credentialed. So I want to walk through an exercise here. So let's say Dr. Brill here is booked out six weeks and he's ready. He wants to use clinic cover for the first time. He has an advanced medical practice and optical contact lenses. What's the first step he would take? He signed up already. He signed all the paperwork, DocuSigns, all that. Walk us through that process. We're just purely matchmaking. So no sophisticated documents you need to sign. You just sign up for our service. You go in. You pick the date in which you want to find coverage, and then you submit it. You talk about what you're willing to pay on an hourly basis, how many patients you see in your practice per hour, and then you tell the doctor what hours they would need to work on that particular day. So let's say you're open from nine to five. You let the doctor know that. You can add a message, and then you create an opportunity in the system. Now, that opportunity is going to run you somewhere between $10 and $50, depending on where you're located. And I'll get into that a little bit right here, if you don't mind. So if you're in Mission, Kansas, and there's not a whole lot of ECPs out there that want to do single-day coverage, for example, the cost to post is lower 
it might only cost $10 to post something. But if you're in Miami, Florida, where we have tons of ECPs that are looking for a gig, then it will cost a little bit more because you're more likely to fill that spot. It costs the sponsoring doctor, the the um, post doctor. The posting the host. doctor, the business. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that we can make sure we attract the right clinic cover doctors? So Dr. Burl has IPL and fits RGP contacts and has Marco automated systems. So we want to make sure we don't have like a, a person who's been used to all these manual systems and now we're going to throw them into automated and they're going to just be overwhelmed. I think that's what's really critical about clinic cover is it makes it really easy for you to share that type of. So first of all, they can see what your your practice looks like. You can post a picture of it when you create your profile. When you create your profile, you can highlight all these wonderful pieces of technology that you have. But more importantly, it also allows the ECP to go, wait a minute. I'm not sure I know how to use that EHR or how to use that device. And so you're going to find the right person. So it's not just about attracting docs to come in. It's about attracting the right doctor, to your point, Dr. Brill, to come into your practice. And look, clinic cover is 100% free for the ECP looking for single-day coverage. 100% free. That is our primary focus right now. Right now, we're doing everything in our power to sign up the ECP that's looking for single-day coverage because we need to find folks that are near Mission, Kansas, right? We need to find folks that are in all over the country that want to practice this way. So we're speaking to them right now. That's a big thing for us. Okay, so you're saying if there's people listening right now and they would like to be, I'll just use the term fill-in or single-day coverage doctors, they can go to clinicover.com and sign up, right? That's right. And in terms of the businesses that are out there listening to this that want to bring a doc in their practice, give us to the summer, right? This is a new platform. So right now we are solely focused on getting the eye care professionals in your area on this platform. And we have a whole host of ways that we're doing this right now. So we ask that everyone just Hang tight. If you're a business, sign up. We want you to sign up. We want you to hang tight. We want you to start posting when the time is right. We're going to let you know that. But we want to bring the community together now. This is about building that community. We'll put a link in the show notes here. You can just click that. If you're a business, you can sign up. So just pause it and sign up and go back and listen. You're what we call a uh, temp agency. Well, I don't. I don't know how people feel about temp agencies, but that's certainly not the temporary doctors, right? Temporary. Well, I think that's a diminutive term. I think (laughs) this is a tool that allows a doctor to practice how they want. If they want to practice in different locations, they're not technically temporary. They're only temporary to your practice, but they may piece together five or six days a week. Right. And they can. And they can make a lot more money, Dr. Brill, than if they come out and take a job somewhere doing this. What would be a typical fee, or is that negotiated, fee to the temporary doctor or locum tenens doctor? Is there a suggestion on that? It's quite variable. So if you look from state to state, it really, really varies tremendously. Like I'm from North Carolina. North Carolina is 
is really a state where these single day coverage docs can make a lot of money, right? We have, it goes from $600 up. In places where there's not as many doctors, it's going to be more money to get them in. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, Dr. Brill, you shared about how you were willing to pay more than you really wanted to get the right doctor in there. And I think that's because there's only 10 docs in Kansas getting licensed every year. But if you go to an area where there's a high concentration of doctors, it skews down. So in California, believe it or not, as expensive as it is to live in places like L.A., doctors get paid less. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so let's. I want to go back a little. And when a doctor makes a post through clinic cover saying they're looking for coverage, let's say it's for three days in a row, you send out a text message blast to a certain kind of radius, kind of based on GPS and addresses where people live. And what does it say on the text message? So the text message essentially notifies doctors that have designated that radius. So let's say you're a single day coverage ECP. You go on, let's talk about Charlotte. You know, my brother's practice is located in North Charlotte in the university area, but you live in downtown or uptown Charlotte which is, let's say, 20 miles away from university. As long as I've designated that, look, I'm willing to work within a 30-mile radius of where I'm currently at, the system will send you a text message that says, there is a practice that is matching your criteria that is looking for single-day coverage on this date. And it has a link to the practice. And you can click that link on your phone and pull up the practice without even logging in. You pull up the practice, you see where it's located, you see a map of it, you see what it looks like. Then you can see the profile of the practice, how much they're willing to offer on an hourly basis, how many patients they see. So you can really dive into details once you click the link. But it will notify you that a practice that matches your criteria is looking for somebody. And if you're interested, raise your hand. Now, what's critically important is the business, the practice that made the post, they're not going to know anything about the ECP that's getting messaged until the ECP raises their hand by clicking, hey, I'm interested in this opportunity. Only at that point can the practice will now get a text message that says, hey, there's a Dr. A has shown interest. And now the practice can see that individual's profile. So it's anonymized to both or just to? At first, as a practice, you're not anonymous. You're saying, hey, I'm a private practice. I'm in this part of town and I'm willing to pay this much money to come into my practice on Saturday. Now, at first, the practice has no idea who you are. Once you raise your hand, now the practice can see your details. Now, how does the financial transaction occur? Does it internally, you know, the business just writes a check or do we have clinic cover dollars? How does that work? We do not collect any money for the transaction of the, of the services rendered. That is between the 
practice and the doctor and they get to situate that they can you know decide whether or not they want to write a check they want to do direct deposit they want to sell the money that's up to that's up to these folks doji coin or whatever <laughs> how about reviews the single coverage doctor review the practice and vice versa or do we have any system for that in place so that's something that we're actively talking to both practices and to ECPs, whether or not they want to have a service like that. We currently do not offer any type of reviewing. There's no reviewing. There's All that happens is purely we notify practices that there's doctors that want to see patients in those practices. And by the way, I think what's really interesting about all of this and what we call kind of our tagline is that clinic cover is connecting doctors with patients. It's patients that wouldn't have typically been served because the practice is closed or it's overbooked and they can't get in to see the doctor, right? That is our overarching mission. And I bring that up now because I think that that is really what's critical about a solution like this as well. I could see how this would work well for uh, maternity, both for men and women, right? Yeah, I just had a child, Dr. Brill, and I tell you, it's it's been a blessing to be able to spend more time at home. And I think if I could piece together days to make ends meet and I get to spend a little bit more time at home, I would love to do that. We need a system for clinic cover. You don't have to go to work. You need to replace yourself. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad that I can do clinic cover from home. That in itself is worth its weight in gold for me. So are some are solo practices doing this because they have to, or is it also group practices? I think this is open and available to all types of practices, right? We corporate practices, sublease practices, private practices, group practices, PE back practices, right? Anyone that cannot service a patient because they can't find a doctor to service that patient. We really want clinic cover. We need clinic cover because the more patients that are seen, the better it is for us, not only as a profession, but as a healthcare, as an overall healthcare uh, initiative for eye doctors to be able to take care of someone. Because at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot of times. I don't care where you are. As long as you're in front of a doctor, you have a better opportunity than if you're sitting at home. Right. And then you can't see somebody. Right. Because a doctor can even pull up a direct ophthalmoscope and look in the back of the eye and see something that could be detrimental. Right. To your overall health. And so that's important for us. We're going to do a quick advertisement here. And this is going to go over one of my passions in life. And that is cutting cost of goods in private optometry practices. Many times, well, most times, doctors and opticians spend way too much money on lab bills. We associate the higher cost of a progressive lens with better quality of lens, and that's just so not true. Many of these big brands have tricked us with discounts, with buying groups and alliance groups. They say, hey, you join this alliance group and we'll give you 40% off the list price which is just complete bogus. They have marked their prices up on their lab bills only to give you a discount. If you are looking for transparency in lab pricing, good quality lenses at a fair price, I would love to teach you about that. 
I have placed a link in the show notes of this podcast where you can fill out a form and I will hook you up with an independent lab that will be fair to you, give you great lenses, fast shipping times, and fair prices, and also educate your staff. You do not need the biggest brand lenses and the biggest labs to succeed. Make sure you're doing what's best for your practice and what's best for your patients and cut your cost of goods and make a better profit. Go to the show notes, click that link to fill out the form about lab pricing and I'll hook you up with a lab that is awesome for you. You know, I kind of see clinic cover great for people who are just opening a practice. So maybe they're only booked two days a week in their new practice. It's not mature yet. And so they could use clinic cover to keep cash flow in their pocket as they're building their patient schedule over the next one to three years. Yeah, you brought up a great, great point, Perry, because we've had a lot of doctors that have reached out to us in that same exact scenario, right? They have a practice they actually go in and fill in to make ends meet, to keep the lights on in that cold start practice. What's cool is Dr. Brills started his practice cold, and he probably remembers the first days he was in practice and how that felt. So excited that, you know, at least one person walked in the door, right? It helps helps to be naive. It helps to not know everything, because then he wouldn't do like half the things he did. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's an astute, observation because most creative work happens from someone that's completely naive about what they're getting themselves into i think that's helpful to be naive yeah i think you're right so i know one thing i hear you mentioned like people post on facebook quite a bit like hey i'm in tempe arizona and i need help this day and then there'll be comments do you have a tech or am i going to be working alone So that's a big, big thing for people. They want to make sure they have a tech. So we can specify that, right? That's all specified in clinic cover. And what's interesting about that, you bring up the Facebook post. I kind of giggled to myself because I go, I've gone and looked at these various, I call them regional Facebook pages, like South Florida's got one, Dallas, Texas has Every major metropolitan area has these these local groups, and you're very lucky if you even get a comment like oh, that. Totally. M- most of them don't. Most of them don't even get a like or an yeah. angry face or anything. So these just sit out there in thin air. What's yeah. cool about clinic covers? We do the work for you, so we keep reminding people that there's an opportunity available, yeah. and so that's really let us do some of that work for you. Yeah. I mean, if I were a doctor in this situation and I wanted to use clinic cover and I was booked out six weeks, I feel like what I would do is just take my younger people and transfer them to that single day care doctor just because they're less likely to have disease and needing complex stuff. Leave that for Dr. Brill, who's probably has better, has already has ongoing relationships. It sounds easier. Yeah. The more and more we talk to folks, the more creative they get about how they could utilize this. And at the same time, it also allows that sort of autonomy, right? You get to choose how you utilize this platform. And the doctor at the end of the day, the ECP that comes into your practice, they also get to choose whether or not they want to come into your practice or not. I tell you, we have have doctors that tell, tell us, look, I I can't take any more 
fill-in work. I have to turn people down left and right and center because there's a lot of opportunity for single day coverage. There's a lot of businesses that need someone to come into these to their practice and help them out. Maybe they want to take Saturdays off, but they don't want to lose those customers or the patients that are used to coming in on Saturdays, right? Or maybe they never had Saturday coverage. But guess what? If you look at all the studies now, some of the healthcare companies that are really winning, I always point to One Medical. One Medical is a primary care group that received about $30 million from Google. They're brick and mortar. They're not online. And yes, Google invested in a brick and mortar primary care facility. One Medical is now in, in all major markets. And what they do, which is very, very smart, is that they understood what the patient needs are. They understood all the patient pain points. Like, number one, it takes forever to get an appointment with a primary care physician. Number two, I wait in the waiting room for far too long when I go see my PCP. Number three, I can't talk to a doctor when I leave the practice. They only care about me when I'm there. They solved all of those problems. And for that reason, they're a billion-dollar company, right? And so it takes that type of mindset. And I hope practices across the country, whether it's private practice or not, I hope they're really thinking about the new healthcare consumer or the new healthcare patient and how they want to be seen and what problems they currently face. Yeah. And if you don't do that, you're not going to win. Right. Think about being patient-centric. I have a question here. Let's say Dr. Burrell in Kansas City wants to get clinic care coverage. He's not going to spend time notifying every single doctor in the city that, hey, you need to go sign up. How does your company help reach out to all those other doctors in the area to notify them that this is happening? So we're very much involved in talking to students, young folks, letting them know about this, this form. We're reaching out to local societies. So all of your, your state societies, your local regional societies. So we're talking to them and letting them know that, look, there's a lot of different ways that a doctor can choose to practice. They can build their private practice. They can go work at a corporate entity. They can work for a PE back group, or they can become a clinic cover type doctor where they get to choose a host of all of those things. And so we want to open up that avenue to the ECP and say, look, this is a new way of practice. It's not that new. There are doctors that have been doing this for 30 years or across the country, but now this is giving that doctor a platform. And we're talking to all of the societies and all of the states and letting them know that this is something that they should share with their members. And so that ultimately, hopefully will help in the case of a place like Mission, Kansas. Although we know it's hard when it, the more rural you go, it's gonna be harder to find fill-in docs or find single day coverage. But that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, if, if you're a, a doctor and you're like, hey, I just want to bring in more money the next three months because I'm saving up for a vacation or maybe you're just driven by money. Why not work an extra half day a week or something like that? Yeah. What's interesting is I had the pleasure of going around and speaking to doctors all across the country. And one of the things that I, I share with them is, 
I, I love mythology and, and it's something that I've been incredibly passionate about. And there's this, there's this inscription at the Delphi Oracle that says, know thyself. And I tell every doctor, the most important thing you can do in your life is to know thyself and know why you've become a doctor. Did you become a doctor because you want to help folks? Did you become a doctor because it's an egoic thing, right? You want to be known in your community and you're a doctor and you, you can make decisions and you can help people in, or solve their problems. Was it money? And I say, none of those things are wrong. None of them are right either. I still want to be a doctor to work for the vision plans. (laughs) I succeeded. I succeeded. (laughs) I worked for them all day long. The reality is this. Look, at the end of the day, whatever that reason was, whatever it was that was your driving force, know it. Know it and own it. And then do everything you can to service it. And that's how you become at least not happy, but joyous in your life because you were true to yourself. And so you talk about these doctors and and how they want to practice. Well, you said you use the word, maybe they want to make more money. Well, if that's the case, do the things that are going to drive that. Do the things that are going to allow you to live the life that you want. And so Clinic Cover is not here to make a, a moral statement. It's, it's really here to allow a doctor to practice the way they want. I even see Clinic Cover working for uh, opticians even. That's a skilled position. Not everybody can dispense a pair of eyewear, adjust it, fit it, measure it progressives. You know, what happens when you have, you have two opticians, one quits, and you're like, not good. It's a bad patient experience when a patient's waiting like you mentioned. So there's plenty of opticians out there who say, you know, I have Saturday free. Why not? I mean, they have Monday through Friday free. And they work Saturday. <laughs> well, true. Yeah. So we're forgetting about all the externalities or external forces on businesses. I mean, we, we only can control what we control, but there are externalities. I mean, it's when you have more doctors moved nearby or chains moved by or some big VCP buys a 720 location chain. You know, those are things that we can't control. And it's really about control. And the doctors feel, I'm speaking for them now, that they have less control and get paid less for what they're doing. And it's more been more like robotic. You know, you need another robot to spin dials. And that's unfortunate because then you can say, well, just don't take them. But now it used to be when we had a patient, you had a new patient because they're on a, on a vision care plan. But now it's like the patients say, hey, guess what? We're on vision care plan now. You know, the whole family. Well, that took that family down to a fraction of the profitability. And we all have to contend with that. So we either have to charge more for our non-covered services or provide more non-covered services or see more people. And the easiest thing is to kind of see more people. So you lose a little bit of your control because now your time is divided and you possibly end up providing a little lesser level of care or just fight it and be more efficient. You know, I've learned to be more efficient through the use of technology and scribes and all that. And hopefully the patient care level has not dropped because it was all about our inventory of time. Now 
we have the same amount of time, but we have to be more productive because if you're losing 30% of your profitability just because of the vision care cuts in our profitability, I mean, you got to make that up somehow. So that lack of control is very frustrating and it's something we want to regain. I think, Ali, you're going to have studies on this in the next two to five years. You're going to see practice revenue is increasing based on more days filled in through your app. Yeah. If you could add a quarter million dollars to the bottom line, every extra patient that comes in is hopefully going to buy a retail good as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dr. Brill, you touched on something that's near and dear to me, which is this idea of lack of control. And I think we talked about this at the beginning with autonomy and lack of control being a very frustrating. It's a driver of unhappiness. And Perry, you brought up a equally critical point, which is, look, we don't know what the future holds, but if we are able to service patients when and where they want to be serviced, we can still win. And we can't change nature. We can't change some forces that are out there, right? But we can learn to adapt and flow. One interesting thing is, ironically, I saw a patient yesterday. And so the patient told me that the protests in Hong Kong were very difficult for the Chinese government to stop. And the reason for that is they didn't fight. They flowed. They kept moving. Every time the police would come, they wouldn't fight the police. They would go to another part of town. They were constantly flowing around. They were like water. And that's a martial arts thing that he was sharing with me. So can we flow? Can we learn to live? Can we learn to add efficiency and do more non-covered services and some of these other things. I think you've nailed it. One of those things is being able to see more patients and take care of them and being able to see them when they want to be seen. So maybe same-day coverage or same-day appointments. Maybe it's Saturdays. Maybe it's you open one evening later and you bring a doc to service those folks because you, you may not want to do it. So we don't want to work harder, though. See, we don't work harder. And for the first time since, well, during COVID, we we noticed that people did not want to come in on Saturday. Well, they make an appointment only because we made an appointment for them. And then either at the last minute, they wouldn't show or they would cancel at the last minute. So I thought, let's lessen the Saturdays. And consequently, we've now kind of eliminated Saturdays, which I know is contrary. But even Starbucks stopped working Saturdays and Sundays. And I think they're way smarter than we are. People did not want to come in necessarily on a Saturday, which I thought that's interesting. And let's take advantage of that. And now we can be more productive during the week. It's healthier and for your staff, they're happier. It's easier for scheduling. And your dad was no BGYN, right, Allie? Yeah. Did he have Saturday appointments? No, he didn't. But he had to, but babies came out on Saturday. So if somebody wants to see their BGYN, or now are they their dentists? Most of the dentists are closed Friday. And then some say, yeah, why don't we just close Thursday at noon? Yeah, there's, so there's going to be chains that will be open up on, on Saturday. And so now, although it seems like we're less friendly to consumer wishes, people didn't really want to be there on Saturday. We were The only reason they were there because we were 
we were booking him on Saturday. And it's kind of messed with the schedule because now you're always going to be short a person on every day because they have got to work on Saturday. So I think there's a lot to be said for treating our staff as a customer too and making them happier and maybe the doctor's happier by not working on a Saturday. We're limiting maybe just one Saturday a month. We went to one Saturday a month and, yeah. and all of a sudden, and I'm not sure if that's a shift in behavior during COVID or post-COVID, or we always assumed they want to be there on Saturday. They didn't really want to be there on Saturday. They want to yeah. do home things. They want to sleep late. They want to do things with their families. I want to get back to flow here. You made a good point. I love the analogy of the Hong Kong and the police and the the residents all kind of working in harmony together, even though they're not really in harmony. They're just kind of still chaos. But <laughs> things like capitulating to VSP and, and jumping into being on Premiere to get all these rebates and the lens companies do the same silly th- things. Order more product and we'll give you rebates. Those are all games. And I don't like games in healthcare. I like addressing the issue. And the issue is we have patients that need to get in. How do we get them in? And this clinic cover is addressing it. It's hitting it right on. It's fair. It's transparent. The doctor gets paid. The patients come in on time. And, and that's what it's all about, just transparency in healthcare. So maybe next you could work on how we could be more transparent with our pricing So and eye care. Well, that's one of the reasons why One Medical is very successful is because that's another pain point. I didn't get down into that. But to Dr. Brill's last point, I'll just make this one comment. If the patients didn't want to be there on Saturday, you recognized something, right? And you were able to adapt and shift. It helped your practice, helped your staff, helped your doctors. And ultimately, your patients didn't need it. Maybe they want to come in during the week. And now you're booked out four weeks because you're only open four days a week. Well, clinic cover could help alleviate some of those things. And that's really the point of it. So it's not a good experience when it takes six weeks right. to see your doctor, right? We can all agree on that, right? We Nobody's get, like, but we yes, always get those because, people in. We always get those people in though. Yeah. And successful folks like you do that. Because it's such an intraday schedule. You know, people schedule and then they something happens. They and they can't. Yeah. So we have to have you have to have some flexibility on how to work people and, in. And if you can increase the opportunity for capacity, if you can, I mean, not a, every practice can, right? You're limited by your exam rooms and things like that. But if you can, you could double doctor on some days and really help reduce the bottleneck. Yeah, you know, I think in some ways, slight scarcity of appointments makes people actually show up. You know, I mean, oh yeah, it's like yeah, it seems like they give me any time, and I'm on insurance. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think that I think I, I'm going to go get a haircut instead, or I'm going to do something else instead. And we see that with patients who are on assistance, and we all realize that. And we, I won't say overbook, but we book a little more densely. I mean, I had a family of six; they promised to come in. They're definitely coming in. They confirmed they're coming in. Then they said after half an hour late we're going to be a little late. And they finally answered. And then we scheduled some time for them. Probably you have to schedule less for a a full family, but still by the time they were ready, I mean, it was like only maybe only a half an hour left in their time period. So that's a risk. You know, you think, God, I'd love to have a family of six, but even though everything was promised, it just didn't happen that way. So you live and learn on your, on your schedule. 
And now we're going to make it a little less scarce. I mean, a little more scarce for them to come in the next time. And they're going to know, okay, when I make an appointment, I, I got to keep that appointment. Right. So it's frustrating, but we all, we all go through that. We do. I think you have a great idea as a kind of a, somewhat of a matchmaker, right? So how's it going so far? Can you tell us your experience so far and, and what states you're operating in? We had our internal, we sort of call it a beta in the, the, the South Florida region, and it went, it went really well. So we were able to make matches and things like that. Again, I think right now our primary focus is to fill the bank. We call it the bank of ECPs. They're the folks that are the most valuable. And if they're able to sign up and join in on this network, all the eye care businesses that are out there are going to benefit and all of the eye care professionals are going to benefit as well because they're going to be able to work in different practices. Yeah. Some guy or gal is going to be lucky enough to come into Dr. Brill's practice and go, I get to use all of these cool things I learned in school or didn't even learn in school, but I've heard about them, right? The next day they might go to a, they might go to a practice that is primarily refractive, Right but they get to choose that. And that's the beauty of it. And so while we're very, 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 very early today, our focus is to get the eye care professionals in the platform. And we have our own internal timeline. So by the summer, clinic cover is going to be a tool that can be utilized in most major markets. I love that idea of being able to experience new technology. I mean, let's say you've been working in the same practice for five years. They're low tech, completely refractive. And then all of a sudden you go to Dr. Brill's practice and you realize, wow, there's a whole world of stuff I'm completely missing out on. And when you're complacent and do the same thing every day for five years or 40 years, it's depressing. We have something like that in Kansas for when doctors are gravely ill. And I can't think of the name of it right now, but we all pledge that we will put aside our practice to help somebody else out. Oh, that's nice. And I've only been called on once and was a young doctor, 42, stage four cancer around Christmas oh, wow. time. And he just, and he had limited time and they were, they said, well, we're calling on you now. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I promise to do it. I'll do it. And then I said, well, where's that practice? I don't, I don't know that practice. And they finally admitted, this was the Kansas Optometric Association. Finally admitted, it's in a Walmart. Okay. And I thought, I mean, I was like sleepless for three days. What am I going to do? And then I said, you know, I have to practice like that doctor would practice. So I said, don't talk about macular disease. Don't talk about dry eye. Really just do refractive practice. And the day before they had, I said, well, how many patients are scheduled? She said, none, but we'll be full by the end of the day. <laughs> and there it was interesting because I was seeing salt of the earth people, truck drivers, and just farmers and people that were not maybe as sophisticated. And it was actually kind of fun because it was all it was all easy. It was just really easy. I mean, the equipment was poor, but it was very easy way to practice. And I just had to bite my tongue and not really mention a lot. But there at the Walmart, it was interesting because among people that go to Walmart, there's a hierarchy of the quality of places that they would say, you know, I went to this place before, but now I'm going to a much better place. And that's not to impugn a Walmart doctor. I'm sure there's good and bad doctors and private practice or chains, but it was interesting my, how I, I felt about it because I was worried that I wouldn't adapt to an easier practice. So 
Yeah, what's another fun story is that we had a practice that was about 45 miles outside of Charlotte. It's in a small town, right? And no one would go and work in this practice. And finally, I was able to personally convince a friend of mine to go and, and see patients there. And she loved it. She said, everybody was so nice. And they were so appreciative that I was there to help serve them. And I would have never driven an hour away to go see a patient because I thought, why, why would I do that when I could just go here? But the way she felt about that opportunity afterwards just really spoke volumes. In fact, she continued to go down there for about two years, I believe. I thought that that was a beautiful thing. I really did at the time because I grew up in a small town. I'm a small town guy. My father took care of a lot of folks that didn't have access to OBGYN. And when my father retired, they closed the labor and delivery department in our town and people had to go 45 minutes away to have their child delivered. So that's scary to me just having had a child. And I think that so beautiful for people in, in a town that didn't wouldn't have typically have eye care to have eye care. And then it's beautiful for a doctor who makes that trek and then learns something about herself. I think in, the, in these states like Kansas and Missouri, there's a lot of practitioners that have a one-day practice somewhere. I call they it do. itinerant practice. And they just they go do. for a day, day a week and yep. maybe not even have anybody there to dispense eyewear. So let me talk about the technical part. Do you have them sign like a non-disclosure or a lot of people are afraid to have somebody else in their office? I'm not. Someone else in their office to see how they really do things, you know, where everybody talks a good game. But then you look and like uh, their equipment's terrible. They have a bad slit lamp or it's not working or yeah. it's dirty. I mean, so do you have any issues with people saying, look at I don't want somebody in my office because I don't want to show it to anybody or I don't want them to oh, steal wow. all my ideas. I don't want them to steal my, my proprietary ideas. Oh, wow. I never heard the first one, but I can only imagine that there's someone. When I, came, when I first came to Kansas City, I was back in 82 after I was in the Army. We were doctors, still did not have slow lamps. I mean, they had a Burton lamp and it was the older, the older doctors. Yeah. And, and they were dark. I mean, the offices were not really becoming what they should look like, but they were practicing since 1948, and they just kind of let things go. No one's ever brought that point up. I know it exists. Again, it's voluntary. If you don't want to use clinic cover, you, you don't have to. But I'm sure there's plenty of stories where an eye care professional has gone into an office and was like, they see patients in here? Yeah. <laughs> I want to start to wrap it up here. Well, Ali, you have a, a genuine concept here, and I know you're really trying to push the profession forward. What we did in the past is not necessarily relevant, and so we have to keep evolving, becoming more efficient, like Dr. Brill says. So if somebody wants to get started with clinic cover, whether they're an employer or a doctor looking for extra work and not be 100% committed to signing you know, a five-year contract, how do they get started? Oh, it's super simple. You go to cliniccover.com, you register your business, or you register as an eye care professional, 
And then if you're a business, you just easily create opportunities. It's a very simple interface. If you're an eye care professional, you hang tight, you let the opportunities come to you instead of you having to seek them out. And then the matchmaking is very, very simple. You get your text messages, you respond, you raise your hand, and then whatever conversations need to happen between the eye care professional and business can happen. And then you can determine whether or not you would like to have that eye care professional in your practice or vice versa. So very, very simple, nothing out of the ordinary. We encourage everyone that has had a chance to listen to this to sign up because really it's free to sign up for everybody, whether you're a business or you're an eye care professional, go ahead and get your practice on here. Go ahead and sign up if you're, even if you're contemplating single day coverage, because you never know, you might have a day that shows up on, you might have a full-time job, but a day shows up and you can pick it up and you can make a thousand dollars that day, or you can go and work into a practice like Dr. Brill's. And that's really the beauty of this. So we really encourage everyone to sign up. It doesn't hurt to sign up. And ultimately, we're going to have tracks where these eye care professionals can start learning about private practice, can learn about a corporate entity, can learn about these other ways of practice, and hopefully they become more and more skilled. So when they see that piece of equipment that Dr. Brill has in, it's not confusing, it's not scary, they're prepared for it. So we will, we are committing to having folks learn things as they come on clinic cover. Yeah, I think it's great that you're kind of connecting the community. A lot of times in eye care, we're all like little mice and hiding. We come out for the society meetings, trade shows, which don't really exist right now. And we're kind of getting everybody to mingle finally and be friendly to each other. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they get a hold? Oh, very easily. You can email me anytime, ali at clinicover.com. I'm always very, very quick to respond. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm sort of old fashioned. I still use email. And if we need to jump on a call, I'm always happy to do that. I am always willing. I literally take phone calls from doctors all the time because especially docs that are really soul searching. If you want someone to talk to that has done something different in the profession, I'm always here. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And thank you both for taking the time to really have an insightful conversation, not just always an agreeable conversation, it's the sticking points. And, and Dr. Brill really talked about some sticking points, and I really appreciate that. And I think we strive to be the best that we can for the docs that are utilizing this platform, whether they're a business or an ECP. And Perry, you know, I just, I really have a tremendous amount of respect for you for doing something that you care about and going out on a limb and doing this type of stuff. So thank you both for having me chat with you today. Oh, our pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.